0: Welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. Hey, Celebration, I hope you're having a great weekend this weekend. You guys are in for a special treat because we have with us this weekend a very good friend of mine, a very good friend of Celebration Church, none other than Pastor Dino Rizzo, who is the lead director of ARC, many of you guys know that we are part of ARC, the association of related churches. We plant hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of churches all over the United States. And Dino is the lead director, really helps to oversee and pastor the pastors. He's a dear friend of ours. He's been here many times. You guys are gonna love him. So I want you to stand to your feet right now and come on, let's welcome Pastor Dino. All right, all right, all right. Come on, it's all about Jesus. Come on, Celebration Church. Oh, goodness, you can be seated. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. What a a great day to be alive. And I just want to welcome all those who have joined us online. Uh, So glad you're a part of celebration. I also want to welcome all those that are at one of our campuses, our many campuses here, one church in many locations. Hey, church, let's clap our hands for all those that are watching at one of our campuses or watching online. Thanks a lot for being here. Oh, my goodness. I, I just love being here. I love all that God is doing at uh, Celebration. I love this church. Uh, for 19 years, uh, being able to be a part of this experience, this God-first life experience. And so, I remember the early days. I think I spoke at Celebration the first year or two uh, when the church started, when it was launched many years ago, uh, in, in, the, in the basketball gym. Come on, we were we were shooting hoops in the basketball uh, goals until they hung playing. There for environmental experience, and so uh, that was a great environment. And so I love this church, love the generosity of this church. You don't walk into a space like this, or one of the campuses, where you you sense this 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 environment where you feel like your kids are safe, and and the experience around campus life of welcoming, and where you can get connected and go through a growth track, and all those things without sacrifice. When you walk in a building like this, you realize it takes generosity, and you're a very generous church. And so I get to see that so many ways. when you reach out in missions and all the different outreaches that you do uh, as a church. And so love this church and love the heart and the vision and the mission of this house and all these years of reaching people and doing everything you can to reach out to broken humanity and those that are far from God and being a house that's accepting and welcoming to those that are walking through a spiritual journey. I've always loved that about celebration. That's kind of who you are. If If you want to know what kind of church you're in, you're in a church that cares about people and that leans into those that are walking through things and so, just love it, love it, love it, and it helps people experience a God-first life. And so, I uh, love the team here. You got a great team, the worship, and all the things that are happening with our kids right now, and and all the things with Sisterhood and Riot. Come on, shout out to Riot, uh, all the things happening with students, and just a wonderful team with with Pastor Matt and Carla and, and James, and just uh, love this team, and, and John, just so many great team members. So, you got a first-class team, and then I can't say enough about your pastors. We've been friends for goodness about 25 years, Pastor Stovall and Carrie, uh, love them like crazy and just, you know, when you think about them, I think about words like integrity. I think about words of influence. They're, they're making a difference around the world. So many churches come here to learn, and they want to do this in other locations, and, and they want to learn from you. And, and not only is your pastor a great preacher and a great leader, uh, he's a dear friend. I just thank God. I don't know where I'd be in my life. He's walked with me through some things in my life. He, a lot of people walk out of your life. Can I tell you something about your pastor? When other people walk in, he's the kind of guy that walks in when other people walk out. And that's the kind of pastors that you have. Come on, let's clap our hands for our pastors. Thank God for them. They're a gift to the body of Christ. I can tell you this about your pastors. Uh, I've watched them over these years. Two things that I know about them. They love God with all their heart. They love God, and they love you, and and I thank God for that, and I, I thank God for good friends, and in life, you look for a, good, a few good friends, and Pastor Stovall and Kerry have been dear friends to Dylan and I, so I thank God for them, and it's an honor to be with you uh, this weekend, bring you greetings from Birmingham, living in Birmingham, I pastored a church for 20 years in, in Louisiana, and now we're living in Birmingham, and getting to lead ARC and be a part of Church of the Highlands, a church like this, multiple locations, seeing people baptized, helping people go through a growth track uh, like, like you do here, today's Part one of the growth track. Follow. You can be a part of that. So, we, we're real a part of that. And uh, so, bring your greetings from Birmingham. Uh, Ark's doing well. We're planting churches. Uh, today, we're planting two churches. You're helping us plant two churches. Listen to where we're planting them in in Maryland and in Maine. Come on, somebody. Reach in the northeast for Jesus. So we've planted about 635 churches over the last 15 years. You've been a part of that. When you give, as, as uh, Pastor Matt and Carla talked to you about giving today, and at your campus as you talked about giving, uh, all some of that helps other churches get launched to reach people. And so thank you so much for that, and bring you greetings from the Rizzo family. Our family's doing well. I think I got a picture of our family. This is a, a recent picture of the Rizzo family. Aren't they looking dapper? Come on, somebody. Look at that. That's my son. Just moved my son to New York. York. He's up there helping with Hillsong. That's my daughter in the blue dress. She just graduated from LSU. Come on, graduated on May the 15th. Had a job on June the 1st. Come on. A J-O-B. Then that's our baby girl. That's Isabella. I'm Italian. See, so a guy named one Isabella, Bella, Bella. Then that's my lovely wife, DeLynn, of 28 years. She's Cajun. I'm Italian. There's a whole lot of action going on at my house. Tell telling you that right at my house. That's a Rizzo's, We're doing well. But I love coming to Celebration. It's one of my favorite places to get to come and visit, be a part of this team, and just see what you're doing across this region through serving and outreach and all the things that you're doing across the world through your missions trips. and. But when I come here, I just feel so at home. And it's easy for me to feel at home. I'm Italian, so I feel at home everywhere I go. I just, I may show up at your house this afternoon and get in your refrigerator and use your toilet. I ain't scared. I will i will make myself at home. And uh, I'm, I'm kind of that kind of person. But since we're family, I feel like it's family. I really feel family here at Celebration. And God has just been speaking some things into my heart for us as a family. And I want to share those things with you today. I want to dive into it. And I want to share with you today what I believe has been one of the most liberating truths in my life in the last 34 years of being a Christian. I've thought about that recently. You know, when you get older, you start kind of reminiscing and evaluating life And uh, across 52 years ago. Last couple years, I've been reminiscing and thinking about what are some of the values that, that I have learned from and one of the most liberating truths that I've discovered as being a Christian, and the, the title of this idea comes right out of John chapter 3, verse 16. Many of you know this scripture, it's the pinnacle of the gospel, where it tells us in John three sixteen that God so loved the world that he gave. God loved, therefore he gave. Because God loves, he gives. The Bible says he gave his only begotten son, his only son. The most valuable thing he gave. He, he was able to give. The most valuable thing that he possessed, the most valuable thing in all of the universe, the Son of God, God gave his Son to us. And he gave it to us so that he could pay for our sins. And the Bible says his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And what I want to talk about for a few minutes is around the idea that life plus generosity equals freedom. Life plus generosity, one of the most liberating moments, one of the most liberating values of my Christianity is to realize that when I when I take my life and I, I, I submerge it and I embrace the idea of generosity, that I find a freedom in my life that I can't find any other place. That's what I want to talk about for a few minutes, so let's all pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for this amazing church. Thank you for our pastors. Thank you for everything happening at every campus. Lord, speak to us for a few minutes today. We love you. We lean in. We're not there yet. We love you. We love you. In Jesus' name. And everyone said a good amen. Amen. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you made it to church today. Come on, at every campus. Now turn to the person that was your second choice. Come on. Now you know who you are and tell them, you look like you could use a little church, my brother, my friend, my buddy. You could use a little church. You know, I made three great decisions um, in my 52 years of living. Three great decisions. I'm 52 years old. I like being 52. I don't want to be 32. I like being 52. When you're older, you can just say stuff and just, I don't care. I'm leaving. God bless you. I'm old. I'm going to go and go to bed. Go, glory to God. I'm going to bed. I love being 52 years old. And so... I was thinking about this. I wrote this in my journal, 52 years here, are the three great decisions. I, b- I believe decisions that have, c- that have created gain in my life, uh, decisions that have helped fast forward my purpose, uh, decisions that have helped the trajectory of freedom and purpose in my life, making a difference in my life. And here are those three decisions. The first one was when I said yes to Jesus Christ. When I came to Christ, June the 21st, 1982, right after I graduated out of high school, I, I received Christ through outreach. Like a church uh, here that you where you do outreach, where you do a serve day, and you have different ways that you reach the homeless, or you go outside the walls of the church. I was reached that way. I would have never came to church. But I was reached through outreach, and so, the second uh, great decision that, I, that I've made in my life was I, when I said yes to Delin when she proposed to me to be married, it's a powerful moment. How many knows that's not true? Uh, I, I got a picture of us when we got married. They're just right there. Come on, December the 16th, 1988, representing—don't be hating on the white tux. Don't hate on the, on the little mullet. Come on, little thin man right there. Little thin man. I was half of myself those days. And Delenn always, DeLynn said she, it was her dream to marry somebody in an all-white tuxedo. And so, that was me. My top hat and my cane were waiting on me. I was going to park cars later as a valet. And, uh, and so— I was kind of my jam. Uh, but no, seriously, when, when, I, when I asked Linda, when she said yes to the dress, when I, when I asked her to marry me, the trajectory and the difference that it has made in my life of who, who you decide to do life with in whatever context that relates, whether you're single again or a blended family, just whoever you decide to do life with is so important. And then the third best decision that has had a trajectory in my life, and I believe this with all of my heart, is when, when I made a decision to give my life and to invest my life in the local church. The difference that it has made in my life and my family, the legacy that, the the potential legacy that it has is I made a decision at 19 years old to be involved and to give my life and not just to be a consumer, but to be a contributor in the local church. It has made a a difference in my life that that I don't think could be undone in my life. The difference, that the relationships, and being able to give my my life away through the context of the local church. And I was not raised in church. we we go to church a little bit when we were, I was growing up. My dad was Catholic. My mother was good old backslidden Baptist, and so we'd go to church at Easter and Christmas. That's all we would do. And people would say, what religion are you? And I didn't really know. I'd say Baptist. I'm both. We do Catholic and we do Baptist. I'm not really sure what I am. But when I came to Christ, I got planted, and I got involved with a little small church in the city that I was living in, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and I got involved with a little beach church. It was church by the beach, and, and, and for, for the first time in my life, I had a pastor. I had a pastor in my life, and he was an older gentleman, and, and, and he, was, he was a strong individual. I mean, he's a, I don't know if you've been around an angry preacher, preachers a little angry. I mean, look at you and say, let me tell you something. If you don't like it, don't let the back door hit you in the backside. Go on and leave. There's five people waiting on your seat. Go on and leave. There's like 35 people in the building. I'm like, where are they? Can we invite them in? Ain't nobody up in here. (laughs) I mean, angry preacher, preach forever. Just preach on way past lunch. Come on. You weren't eating lunch. You were eating dinner at Popeye's, like after everybody left. Preach a whole series on Sunday morning. Brother couldn't find a runway if it was in front of him. You thought he was landing the plane? Loop it one more time. Come on. (laughs) But I love that man. He was a man of truth. He was a confronter. He, he, he didn't believe in counseling up in an office. He can confront you right like right at you. Just meet you in the foyer of the church. Come on. Just just me, confront you in the foyer. You know, come here, come here. You, you, you talk. I'll never forget the time he, he confronted me about giving and generosity. And I was not raised that way. I remember he pulled me aside. I'd been in the church for several months and he looked at me and he said, son, have you discovered the power and the liberating freedom of, of generosity? And, and he said, you know that scripture that I share every single time we have church? And there was a scripture that he shared every single time we had church. It's in Proverbs chapter 11. I read it to you, and every single Sunday, he would share these scriptures right before we received the offering or the tithe. Here's what he would say in verse 24 of Proverbs 11. He would say, Give freely. And become more blessed. Be stingy and lose everything. Those were not his words. That was the wisdom of, of God's word. Boy, it gets right to the point, doesn't it? Just There's no jumping around that one. It goes on in verse 25 of Proverbs 11. It says, the generous will prosper. They will gain. Remember how I talked about the math of life plus generosity equals freedom? There's a gaining. There's things that you can do in your life where you gain in life. You don't lose in life. Where there's a fast forward in life. This is what Proverbs is saying. The generous will prosper, but those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Now, remember, he looked at me in the foyer of the church at 19 years old and said, you have not discovered the power of generosity in your life. I said, well, I'm a giver. I gave like a dollar today. He said, oh, no, you're not a giver. He said, you're not a tither. You're not a giver. He looked at me and said, I looked at our records. You're not tithing. Oh, yeah. I'm coming for you. Come on. He was like John the Baptist, you viper. But he loved me enough to tell me the truth. He loved me enough to help me understand a liberating freedom in my life because he knew there would be something about my life that if I didn't understand the principle of God first, if I didn't understand the power of the tithe, if I didn't understand the power of the offering, there would be a deficit in my life forever. Not just in my life, but in my marriage. Raising children, trying to help other people, trying to make a difference in broken humanity, We're living in a world of of people that are hurting all around us. Some of you right now, you have family members that are fighting addiction. You have family members that are going through a dark time in their life. Some of you are here right now, and you're in a season where things are not going well. To know that God Almighty loves you, and that that the, the message of the gospel can go forward, and that the message of the gospel can reach people that sometimes people think are unreachable. And my pastor knew that, that maybe if I would, I would uh, embrace the idea that life plus generosity would be freedom into my life, and not only freedom into my life, but maybe through my giving and my serving and my caring and my noticing, I could be freedom throughout my life to someone else. Because I believe once you've been reached, you give your life to reaching others. See, once God reaches you, he wants to reach through you to reach another person. And so often that happens through generosity. It's through you're giving your life away. I never forget my pastor. I mean, in the foyer of the church, with all my friends around, taught me the principle of the tithe. You know how embarrassing it is in front of people to be talked about something like that? It'd be like going to the doctor, and the doctor just coming out in the waiting room and say, okay, let's talk about your rash. (laughs) Thank you very much. Thank you for addressing my chafeness. Talk everybody. These are some of the things my pastor taught me. They're true today. He taught me the, the principle of, of God first. Because it's in the Bible. That God, that God gives everything to us, as Carla talked about, that we're not owners, we're stewards. He talked about the idea of returning. You're not giving the tithe, you're returning the tithe. I remember he used a little illustration. He said, God gives you 10 m and it all comes from him. He gives you all 10 eminence. He blesses our life. And then he says, I want you to worship me with with one of them back. I want you to give one back to me so that everything else is blessed in your life. He taught me the principle of the tithe, the tenth, the first. Even at a young age, I I remember thinking, Lord, I don't have much, but I want to honor you with what I do have. I I don't have a lot, but I want to to worship you with what I do have. I, I don't have a lot, but I want to be faithful with the little that you've given me. I began to learn at that age that when I give God the first, like I did this month here at 52 years old, 34 years later, at the beginning of the month when my wife and I received our compensation for our job, I immediately, that, that moment went in text to give to our local church because I learned that principle at a young age that when I give God the first, he blesses the rest. I decided right then and there that, that 90% or whatever I would give, sometimes I give over and above. Sometimes I see the poor. I see the hurting. There's a neighbor. There's a friend that needs something. And not only do I do, do 90%, but, Lord, I want to be yielded, and I want to be surrendered to the point that I will listen to your voice to be a blessing to other people, that 90% with God's blessing is better than 100% without God's blessing. That's the decision I had to make. And it wasn't easy. Was it raised that way? There was a battle. There's been hard times. There's been moments where putting God first in my finances were not easy. It it took a step of faith. It took sacrifice. It took trusting God. It it took a plan. It took being strategic in my life. It's funny. I can remember when when kind of that that thing broke over my life. It was something. We were Italian. My dad worked hard. I worked hard. and, And we like our cash money. Come on, somebody. Cash money. Making cash money. I like that Cash money. I get paid by my, my dad, and I would, I, would ch- I would take, he'd pay me four dollars a week, 19 years old, 20 years old. And that was a lot of cash money back in those days. Single, just buying skateboards and surfboards, and just, what's up, what's up. And I'd take those, he'd give me $400 bills. And then I would change them into like fives. So I could, like, what's up? Boom. Make it rain, $5 bills all up in here. i rain $5 bills all up. Cash money, brother, making cash money. What's up, ladies? Ladies, hello. $5 bills. Brother got some cash. Brother got a job. And um, I remember I got paid one Sunday, and Sunday morning I went to church. I was getting paid that afternoon. My pastor stopped me and said, I mean, he looked right at me. He said, today God is going to break the spirit of selfishness over your life. He said, tonight there's going to be a missionary from China. She's going to give you an opportunity. He said, son, I want you to come. I mean, he was that kind of confronter. I came that night, got paid that day, I had that cash money in my pocket, rolled up in church, and this precious lady from China talked about buying Bibles in China, and that for $10, you could provide Scripture for a whole village, that there were villages that didn't have Scripture. And I thought about all the Bibles that I had. I thought about those precious people who were not, who didn't have the availability of Scripture. This was before digital and before online opportunities. And as, as she talked about it, my heart was moved. And I began to feel something in my heart for others. And and I thought right then, I'm going to go big. I'm going to buy a Bible. I'm going $10. I'm doing it right here. $10 buying a Bible. And my pastor got up and began to pray. And he said, listen to the Holy Spirit. Obey God. And as we began to pray, I heard in my spiritual ear, give it all. One Bible. One Bible. You know that tug of war. You know, you know that tension. You've been there. You, you've been somewhere before where you're supposed to buy somebody's meal. Oh, come on, somebody. You've been in a moment where you know you were supposed to step out of your comfort zone. Oh, you ain't helping me. Come on. You've been in a moment where you know you're supposed to kind of reach out a little bit, do something you've never done before. And in and, and that moment, I heard it again, give it all. I thought the devil is in the church. He is in the church house. As that container came down that aisle, I'll never forget the first time it broke off of my life. I reached in my pocket in that, in that, in that war, that struggle. I reached in that pocket. I dropped all 19 years old, dropped all those dollar bills in that container. It's like all those five dollar bills climbed up on the side of that container and said, We're going to China. I'll see you later. <laughs> Come on, campus, you know the feeling. Oh God, see you later. <laughs> See, my pastor knew something I didn't know. He knew that I would never be the husband. I would never be the dad. I would never be the small group leader. I would never be the dream teamer. I would never be the person that I needed to be if I lived a life of selfishness. Because life plus generosity equals freedom. It's the mathematics of God. It is the equation of legacy making a true difference in our life. We see this theme throughout Scripture over and over again. I love how Paul explained it to young Timothy as he's trying to lead people and just trying to make a difference with his life. I love how in your growth track, one of the passions of celebration is to help you live a life where you make a difference where you find freedom and you make a difference, where you could serve all throughout those steps of following and connecting and discovering, then ultimately serving the cause of Jesus Christ. Paul was, was saying that to Timothy. You can make a difference with your life. He says these words in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 7 to 19. This has been a scripture that's been kind of marinating in my heart lately. I've been stuck. I get stuck on scripture. You know how some people can read the Bible in like 45 days? It takes me like a decade. It takes me forever. Those Bible apps, read the Bible in six minutes. No, no, read the Bible in my lifetime. Come on. I just want to get through it. I just, I, I get stuck. I'm in Louisiana, man. We marinate everything. We'll marinate a Krispy Kreme donut. Bring it home, marinate it. We ain't afraid. We ain't scared. This scripture, I have been stuck like Chuck on this one. 1 Timothy chapter 6, 17, 18, 19. Paul is writing from Paul's prison in Rome. I've been there. And he knows that his days are limited. He'll write this book. He'll write Titus. He will finish up with 2 Timothy. And they will take him out right outside of the gates of Rome, East Rome. And he will be beheaded for the gospel. And he writes these words. He's wanting young Timothy to understand leadership And making a difference, and he says these words, command those who are rich. It's a strong word, command. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth. Is that not the truth? Which is so uncertain. But to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Thank God for his blessings. Thank God for the house and the car and the boat and the shoes and the nails, not nails you hit, nails you wear, because I have three daughters, and we have a nail allowance every single month. It's a passion in my home. Thank God for the opportunities, the shoes and the, the bagels and the bakery, all the above, for our enjoyment. God blesses us. You say, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not in that verse because I'm not rich, Let me tell you something. Here's what I've learned. You are rich when you discover that there is someone less fortunate than you. And there's always somebody. Can I tell you something? Somebody woke up in Jacksonville, and they're they're less fortunate. Somebody woke up in this region, and they're less fortunate. They've run out of food stamps already. They don't have nothing to take care of their babies. They're not real sure how they're going to get their tooth fixed. They're not real sure how they're going to get a ride because their car is broken and they have no money for transportation. I get to serve at our Dream Center and get to see our our outreach in Birmingham and get to see all the different people that walk in. And every single day I'm there, I realize how blessed I am because of the struggle of others. And I want to be aware of that. I don't want to be oblivious to that. I want to be aware of the brokenness of humanity. And because I see the brokenness of humanity, I realize that I am blessed. It goes on to say that, it says, command them to do good, and I love this, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, watch this church, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life, not that fake life, not that life that that doesn't make a difference, not that life that's empty. I'm talking about real life, true life. Paul is telling Timothy, "I, I, I want the people of God to live a true, real, pure life. He's basically using the mathematics of life plus generosity equals freedom. And we know the opposite, that life plus greed Equals bondage. When God is not first, you know what happens. When God is not first in your family. When God's not first in your family. I've been through some days where God wasn't first. And I, I I've, I've felt the pull and the tug of the chain of bondage and, and that, that internal struggle where, where no longer is Jesus Lord, no longer is he on the throne. I've been through days where I was on the throne of my life. And those days never turn out well when I'm on the throne. Paul tells Timothy, I want people to experience life, true life. That life plus generosity equals freedom. This is the most liberating truth that I've experienced in my 34 years of living for God. Now, what I want to do is I want to break it down. I want to give you some promises and some ideas around when we put God first in our finances because money's a big deal. It's a big deal. It, it, it creates stress in our life. It, it can create a, a, a division in our marriage. If you're single again or you're a blended family or, or you're single, it, it's a source of something we think about and we navigate in our life, and there's a lot of discussion around it. And I want to give you some promises, so I want to finish up today. I want to give you four things that happen when I put God first, and especially in the area of my finances and my money because it's a big deal. I'm going to give it to you. Here's the first thing. When I put God first in my finances, then I am a steward. I want to be a steward. I want to steward my life well because I know that there are others that are depending upon it, whether it's my family or, or the, you know, my, those that I reach out to and others around my life. I, I want to steward my life well so that I can have some left over to be a blessing to other people because I found out the more that I live that I've been born to be a blessing. God made me for, for a mission. And can I tell you something else? I believe God gifted me as a giver. And God has gifted you as a giver. God wants to bless your life as you're a giver. I want to be known as a giver because you know what? I have never yet met one person that is selfish and is happy. Selfish people die alone. Selfish people, they're, they're unhappy. But I have found a lot of people that are givers that discover the fulfillment and the joy of life. Just what am I? I want to steward in my life. Lord, help me to be a better steward of my life. And one of the ways that I'm a better steward of my life, my time, my talent, my treasure, my energy, is putting you first. Here's the second thing that I've discovered: is what happens when God is first is I live surrendered. I live surrendered. I want to live a surrendered life. I don't want there to be the struggle. It's all about Dino. All about Dino. Boy, Dino likes Dino. Ooh, man, I like Dino. I like having discussions with Dino. I like hanging out with Dino. Dino loves to buy Dino things. What you want, Dino? I think Dino wants that. Well, bless you, Dino. Thank you, Dino. You're welcome, Dino. I love it, love it, love it. Can I tell you something? There's nothing wrong with stuff, and there's nothing wrong with having stuff. The problem is when stuff has us. That's the real challenge in life. I want to live a surrender life. The third thing that I believe happens when I put God first is I live in a way that I become a sample uh, for God's love. I love samples. I love free samples. Let me tell you something. Chick-fil-A giving out samples. I'm going to get several nuggets. Stayed in a hotel last night. I'm taking the shampoo. I may take the hair dryer. Come on, somebody. It's in my room. It's a sample. It's a sample of a hair dryer. The other day we found this new store called Costco. Whoo! Man, it just opened in Birmingham. We late. So, I go to Costco, and, and, and my wife has got a list. She's real focused, and, and I'm kind of fogged out. I'm a, I get a little distracted. I know that probably surprises many of you. And I get, oh, butterfly. And I just, I'm wandering around the store, and I run into these ladies. It's early in the morning, about 930. I run into these ladies that are at the end of the aisles, and they are called sample engineers. They're amazing. They're from the Lord. They're from the Lord. The Lord be with them. So, um, can, can I can I talk to you about what we're giving to the wonderful people of Birmingham? Yeah, she invites me like a conversation. It's amazing, and she says, uh, "Let me tell you about what we're providing today." Sure, she says we have tortilla chips that have been brought down from the mountains of Belize, and they've been brought down on bedazzled mules, and we've we've barged them over on velvet-laid barges, and we've paired them with guacamole from Nicaragua with spices, and and I'm like, oh, and then she says, and we want to give it to you today on a vanity fair napkin. Shut your mouth. <laughs> Only get those at weddings. I save them and reuse them. They're like 35 cents. Come on, somebody. She, she hands it to me. And I, I, it's just the same, just one chip and a little dip. And I take the chip and dip, and it's just, a, but it, it's like a fiesta. I, I begin to go bilingual. Fuego, fuego, señorita. Hola, hola, hola. I see Delin. Delin, señorita, we're going to Honduras. Come here. What? And she says, would you like more? Yes, yes. That's right, she takes me like a like a like a sample concierge now. She's gone from a sample engineer to a sample concierge. She brings me around. There's chips, like a whole aisle of chips and guacamole. I'm loading up the cart. Why? Wow, can I tell you something? It was just a sample, but a sample was enough to make me want more. When you give, when you tithe, when you reach out to other people, we can't be everything, but we can be a sample of God's love and mercy and grace. Lord, that's all I want to be. I just want to be a sample to broken humanity. So people need more than that. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Some people only need a taste of mercy and grace. That's all they're looking for. They're dry and thirsty world. And when I give and I put God first and I text to give and I go online, come on, I'm, I'm just getting down when I do that. Can I tell you something? Every time I give, when I put my check in that offering envelope, it is a sample being sent out that Jesus loves you, that Jesus cares about you, and Jesus forgives you. Because He's done so much in my life, I want to live as a sample. And every time I put God first in my finances, I'm a sample of God's love. And I can't think of a greater cause to give my life for. And then the last thing that I think is so important, and I'll finish with this as we finish up. When I put God first in my finances, when God is first in my life, I live a God-first life. I secure the gospel to the next, someone else. The other day we went to a prayer meeting the church was praying, and we were praying for people, praying for others, like you do as a church. And I came home, and I was so grateful for that environment. That the building was open, and sound was on. We were praying for people. I needed it in my life. I left there, and I ran to the house, and my wife. She said, "Hey, you're taking me shopping." Glory, thank you, Jesus. I'm glad I went to prayer. And, and your daughters have two daughters, so we—she we, said, just, you're going to drive and help us. Awesome. Praise the Lord. Um, and we went to this store that's called Forever 21. Oh, yeah. It ought to be called forever hell for a man. I go in. It's hot. It's hot. There's—there's there's nowhere to sit down. There's like boa and animal print, little small aisles I can't get through. My dragon hangers will be everywhere. It's, sweating like crazy. I lose my family for 45 minutes. She shows back up. She hands me about 1,800 shirts. They're all like a dollar. I could buy the whole store. Write a $1,000 check, by the whole store. And uh, so she she says, go check out like a honey. And I was seeing a man. No, no. Because the checkout line, oh, it was Hades. She's just. Just, just people are shopping all upside you, trying to get Justin Bieber eye patches and nail polish and, and a brush that sings. It's amazing. And finally I get to the checkout counter. There's a guy behind me jamming me with hangers. And I, I walk up to the check. I mean, I'm just blocking people. Being real Christian. I've been to prayer meeting and just back up, man. Back up off me. I get there. Little 20-year-old daughter of some precious family. She says, You alright? I'm good. So I've been a prayer being glory to God, amen. And for a moment, I thought about her. Because life is not about me, myself, and I. And I said, for once, I wish I did it more. I said, how are you? And she said, I've had the worst week of my life. You don't even want to know. Wow. What would cause this 20-year-old next generation to say that to a stranger, how deep is her pain? How, how, how hard is her struggle? How how much pain she, she could she be experiencing and having to be at work with that pain? We got done, and I just said, hey, I know you don't know me. I don't know you, but what's your first name? She told me her first name. I said, I'm going to go down here, and I'm going to pray for you because you matter to God, and God loves you, and God cares about you. He sees you. And, and the guy behind me, he was jamming me with hangers. He was trying to get up, and I was, I was t- taking a little li- long. And he's trying to get his stuff up there. And I said, oh, so I'm going to be praying. For-. And I hear him say to his friend, he's praying for, that's what's taking so long. He's praying for, he's a little small guy. I said, yo, man, back up off me. I'm a big dude. I'm burning diesel. Brother, need a little space. Back up off me. You don't know me. You don't know my people. You don't know my name. I will go Medea. I will shut down Forever 24. Don't get up off me. Back up. Hey little, little little Alabama redneck, amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 And back up, big brother here, man. But got double X needs some space up in here. I went down there at the end of that counter. I prayed my prayer. Because she matters to God. I want to live my life with generosity, because people are far from God, and they matter to God, and they need the church, and they need us. They need us to be faithful with putting God first, because the next person, the next soul, it matters. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for all that you're doing across church life. I just want to take a moment. If you're here, you just say, Dina, I feel far from God. We're going to worship in a moment. Pastor Matt's going to come and help us take those next steps, get baptized, be a part of the growth track, how important it is that we, we get connected. It's a whole part of the process of, of a new life. But you're here today and you say, Dina, I just feel far from God. Maybe you feel like that little precious girl at Forever 21 who just said, I've had the worst week of my life. I don't know your struggle. I don't know your pain. I don't know your addiction. I don't know your challenge. God does. And if you feel far from him, all you have to do is just say the name of Jesus. He's as close as the mention of his name. You just say, Jesus, Jesus, I have found out that our Savior is close to those in pain. It's the whole gospel if you're here today and just say dean i want you to pray with me i want to give my life to christ i want to lead you in prayer i'm not going to ask you to stand or i going to ask you to come forward but i want to give you an opportunity to to say yes to jesus all across this room maybe Every heart that's watching, every person that's watching, you say, I just want to give my life to Christ. I feel far from God, and today I want to invite Jesus into my life. If that's you, just so we can connect, before I lead you in prayer, would you just slip up your hand say, Dino, pray for me. Pray for me. Come on, all across this room. Hands are going up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you so much. And it says, thank you so much. Anyone? Dino, pray for me. Thank you. I just feel far from God. Oh, thank you. Listen, if you raised your hand, or maybe you didn't, just pray this prayer from your heart right now. Say, dear Jesus, come into my life forgive me of my many sins I believe that you died just say this from your heart I believe that you died and that you rose again and today I confess you as my Lord and Savior in the name of Jesus thank you for a new beginning say this with your heart thank you for a fresh start In Jesus' name. Now, Father, I pray for every person who prayed today, every person, Father, who made a decision. And, Lord, I pray for each of us, Father, that we will embrace the truth, Father, the liberating truth that life plus generosity equals freedom, God. Bring a freedom into our life. Bring a freedom into our soul, Father. We want to be a steward, God. We want to live a successful life. But ultimately, Lord, we want to make an impact for eternity in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Come on, church. Let's all stand. Let's worship Him. Come on, let's honor God. Let's give Him our best. Let's give Him our first. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.